Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries, the podcast showcasing visionary leaders in business and technology solutions, along with commercial real estate. I'm your host, Donald Thomas, and today we're thrilled to introduce to you the CEO of Annexdair, Mr. Kevin Riandu. With over 20 years of experience in world-class financial firms across Japan and Hong Kong, Kevin has been at the forefront of innovation, serving in pivotal roles at J.P. Morgan Asset Management and PGIM Japan. But what sets Kevin apart is his dedication to a long-term vision. His combined global expertise with localized solution, and now Annexdair is delivering innovative strategies that drive profitability and sustainability for clients in Japan and wider Asia. Japan has recently become part of Annexdair's global footprint through a strategic joint venture with Comsol, extending their services across Europe and Asia. Their focus on global local collaboration is shaping the future of business and technology solutions. Annexdair offers core services, including business process digitization, management consultancy, risk management solutions, and AI-enabled machine translations. Their integrated approach ensures clients get results that drive their businesses forward. Annexdair doesn't just offer solutions, they foster partnerships. Collaborating with Holland and Marie Vistech Solutions, they bring a powerful network to the table. Stay with us as we uncover the insights, experiences, and vision of Kevin, the visionary CEO behind Annexdair. Ready to dive into the world of innovative business and technology solutions? Don't miss this enlightening conversation coming up next. Thank you for joining us on Dealmaker Diaries. I'm your host, Donald Thomas, and together we'll explore the realms of innovation, leadership, and business transformation. Stay tuned for our enlightening conversation with Kevin. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. Nice to have you today. Great. Thank you, Donald. Um, thank you for inviting me to join and, and talk. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, before we jump in, why don't you give the uh, the audience a quick quick intro to yourself and your, and your background? Sure. So, um, I'm originally from the U.S. I grew up in um, uh, New Hampshire, northern New Hampshire, and um, through my time... I went to school there, went down through and went to boarding school. I ended up in Japan teaching English in okay. 1995 after university. And I liked it so much. I came back in 2000 uh, in the financial industry with um, Goldman Sachs first from New York to Tokyo. And I basically have never left. I've been here 20 plus years and I spent some time in Hong Kong in, in between. And during that time, I've been working with many kind of financial institutions. I've I've done jobs from operational compliance, risk, um, all the way through finance and technology, and became a COO at the end with um, PGM Investments um, in Japan, Tokyo. So most of my career is here, and that's kind of my experience. And I decided to start my own company uh, called Next here, 
and that was in 2020 January right before the 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 pandemic which is probably bad or good I don't know yet we'll find out um <laughs> but it took a lot longer to get traction and move forward but I kind of took a lot of my ideas from my experiences at work and in the business side and everything combining it with a technology data management t- um uh, technologies and try to find solutions for the market uh, for financial services in Japan, Asia, and then I've partnered in Europe and in UK and US. Okay, all right, yeah. Um, teaching English in '85, I heard that's when things were really good. Yeah, '95 was basically so. I was it was actually '95. So actually, the 95, 95, okay. which which set me in the direction I went was there was kind of what they called the Big Bang. The Big Bang for financial services in Japan was around mid nineties, mm-hmm. and that's when a lot of the foreign financial institutions, non Japanese, the Goldman's, the Morgan Stanleys, and those of the world started coming to Japan and opening up to the to Japan. So, sort of that was the sort of the trend which I saw as an English teacher at Jet Program, and I thought, well, if I wanted to live in Japan and I wanted to be here, I thought that that was probably the right direction to go. And that's how it kind of ended up in financial services. I went back and got a job with Brown Brothers Harriman in Boston, and I kind of worked my way back to Japan. So 95 was sort of the time when financial services were were becoming, um, on the financial, on, especially on the, on the uh, foreign institutions, were coming in and growing. Okay. Very cool. All right, so let, let's jump in. Um, so, Kevin, could you explain what smart integration of AI and data management technology means in the context of business operations and why it's important for companies to embrace it. Sure. So I, I've always taken, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a technologist by any means, but I am a business person an operational person who has dealt with um, business and technology. And my idea is that really the business should drive the technology that you use. That's my whole premise of my company. So I think smart integration starts with the fact that you want to find where your business needs technology, where your business needs AI, where your business needs data management, and find the areas that can be fixed quickly. So it's it's a matter of integrating in your own processes in the business to make it run the best it can run and not sort of a big bang approach where you're sort of doing something that it's very difficult. So smart integration is very important with any technologies. Now, AI and data management, I believe, are are, are, are connected. So for a, a good AI program in any industry and in financial services, you need information and data. And the data information you have has to be very good data and information, clean data information. And that then is used to provide for the AI to work. So the AI uses all of that information to then go through and start to automate your processes through through AI and through the robotics. So it's really all connected and it's really difficult to do all of it without working together and putting it together to work. And it's all driven by processes and things like that. So it's it's very interconnected. And so that's why it's so important for business operations is to to work in in in, in integrate all of those together to make it really work to its best. Okay. And Real quick, a next there. How did how did you come up with that name? Does that name have any special meaning? Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, it's we looked at it as a next tier. So Uh-oh. forward view, forward thinking, and upwards. So okay. it's a, it's a view of like the world in the future, and with 
um, again, with technology, but also with just the business in general. So is that's that's sort of how we came up with the with the name. Okay, very cool. All right, and Kevin, so Nextair has a focus on deep data processing and management expertise and asset management, banking, and asset servicing. So how can these industries benefit from AI and data management technologies and what specific challenges do they address? Sure. So I started doing this because this is my my um, expertise. So this is my IP because I have senior level management experiences in these industries, in these areas. So that's why I started and focused on these areas. And on the top of that, I did a lot of work with technology related data processing, automation projects, and a lot of internal kind of builds. So that's sort of how it all developed and started. So my experiences have been that in good companies. So when I worked at Morgan Stanley Investment Management, for example, they had a company called, they had a, um, a group called RTS, Reengineering Technology Services. And that was what I was heading in Asia, PAC in Japan. And basically what it did was it would look at all the issues and business issues and problems. So look at all of the, 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 the manual work and the risks and all the inefficiencies and everything. And it would come up with more strategic solutions to fix those business issues using technology. So, for example, we did a proxy voting automation um, globally from India, which was basically looking at all the data they have, putting it into a system using AI-based algorithms. So AI has been around for a long time. It, it, algorithms have been along for a long time. It's just not as, it's not as been a big buzzword, but it's it's there. So we used all those technologies and data management related to automate the process from A to Z for proxy voting and voting from data into data out and reporting and things. So that was sort of what I was doing at MSM, Morgan Stanley Investment Management, which I thought could be used for the industry as a whole. Because I a lot of other companies I worked with did not have that type of group or that type of function, which I thought was extremely important and very strategic. Okay. And curious, what made you um, decide to jump ship and go out on your own? Well, that that's part of the reason. I I thought there was a huge market for um, this type of work and this type of as a vendor and as a provider and as a, and a consulting and implementation. So combining all the business knowledge and all the background and everything I've done, along with some technologies to actually implement it and be a business strategy and business implementation partner. Because again, I thought within the industry there are a lot of companies don't have this role or don't have this group because. The groups that the areas we focus on are like ESG or KYC, AML, risk management, reporting, all the areas that are sort of the back end, which are very critical, but have never been touched by technologies generally because they're customized and it's very difficult. You have to understand the business to be able to automate and use technology. So all of that together, I thought there's a big market for someone who can come in, partner with technologies multiple and bring them into these and actually start implementing these things as a vendor and not as internal, like internal builds. Mm, okay. All right. And Kevin, your company is based here in Japan, but serves clients globally. Can you share some insights into how different regions like Asia, Europe, and the UK are adopting AI and data management technologies in their sure. businesses? Sure. So, so our next tier is Japanese based, but again, as we mentioned, we partnered so through our partnerships with uh, an addition with a consulting company, similar implementation in UK, mm -hmm. Europe, 
U.S. and through our technology partners who are globalized. So that's how we grew globally. And through all that, we've been doing a lot of work. And I also realized as an exterior Japan-based, a lot of times a business comes from outside into Japan. So so, so what, what you find is that others lead and Japan kind of follows. And then when Japan does it, Japan does it well. So they take over and they actually run it. And that's really important. But a lot of decision-making and a lot of these trends are coming from other other countries, other regions, which are really important to bring to Japan. But once you're in Japan and do it, actually, Japan does it really, really well. And, and, and there's a lot of similarities. So the trends are very similar. The, the question is, there's customizations and localizations based off of country, based off of region and everything in Japan language. So all those things you have to take into account when you're looking at how you roll out software or technology in business driven. Okay. So that, so. For example, in, in, in London or UK or in Europe, they have many, many technologies. I mean, many, many. There's many technologies. There's many vendors. But a lot of them do specific things like fund accounting or trading or yeah. there's this very specific things that they do that because they want to bring it and be scalable and, and run it off the, off the shelf. So those are all customized for them and they're done their way. And they very often don't fit well in Japan. Because it, it doesn't fit and they don't customize for Japan's needs as a local market. So our company and what we do in a partner is we our system can be customizable, localizable, and it's built to be a servo, a DIY type of system where I hand over to the users. But we kind of come in as we want an interoperability to bring those here and then make them work in Japan and do our own thing in Japan too, because it has a flexibility to do that. So there's a lot of things around, but actually, and in fact, things are more similar than you would think. <laughs> it just, it gets complicated by many factors, which people make bigger than they probably really are, honestly speaking. Okay. Yeah. Looking through some of your offerings, I see like DTS and premium services seem to play a significant role in them. So could you elaborate on the types of data management platforms you provide and the yep. industries that benefit most from these? Sure. So as I kind of mentioned previously, so DTS Plus is a service. So a service that combines implementation, the system, SaaS system, so handover, and then the after service maintenance and everything. So it's a full A to Z service. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's beyond just here's a system and you use it on your own and figure it out. We actually come in and set it up for you. We'll run it for you. And then we'll hand it over to you and then support you in your efforts to use it as a codeless system. So it's codeless and code free. It's not, so it makes it easier. We focus a lot on, like I said, KYC platforms, for example, um, AML, uh, ESG, um, data platforms, um, reporting, client maintenance, compliance. So we focus on a lot of the back we call them back-end systems or risk management operations in those areas, which again, have really not been touched by technology ever. So usually they're Excel-based macros, they're EUC, end-user computing type of things, um, and maybe like access databases and things. So they're often used, those things do that work, but those are very comp dangerous and they're, they're manual and they can fail easily. So there's a lot of issues. And if they fail, these are the areas where regulators get involved, where, you know, where, where you laws and, and, and efficiencies and all. So I believe, and we believe that you could bring a system in to go into those areas and actually build solutions 
and from data platforms, reporting, automation, and everything. And Kevin, why do you think nobody uh, has addressed this need so far? Is it just so early in the game that nobody's paying attention right now? I think there's a couple of reasons. One is it's a lot of people don't understand it very well. Um, they, they just don't have a lot of people don't have the ex expertise and experience in those areas to come up and up with technology solutions to actually solve the problems and issues. Number one, mm -hmm. number two, it's very, very customized and very localized. So a solution you, you do in UK would be different than Japan. Not the data may be similar, but the outputs are different based off of regulatory, local regulations, rules, requirements, language all that stuff so the the it's the it's the idea of can you build a system that you can you can automate the data the data is the same generally everywhere but the outputs and the rules and the customization and the localization can be done also and there are very few systems that i've tested and tried other than the system we're using mammoth analytics that actually does both of those and it also does it in a way, like I mentioned previously, it's a code-free environment, which means it's actually a user tool. It's not a infrastructure, heavy infrastructure type of um, technology. It's a user tool, which means you hand it over to the user and the user can use it themselves once it's set up and running. And that becomes their tool to use and customize and do what they want with it. So it's it's a very, I don't, I've not met many options like that. So that allows us to do bespoke solutions. Mm in budget quickly, uh, um, which a lot, I've never, I've not seen a lot of those type of systems out there because that's not, that's not the way Silicon Valley is really structured or these other, mm -hmm. they're structured around scalable systems means off the shelf, use it as it is and just pay us a fee for doing that. And that becomes scalable. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe in that per se in these areas because I don't think it works that easily. And, and I don't think that's, those solutions are great for the business. Oh, yeah, no one size fits all. Yeah, absolutely. For the and again, this is business driven. It's not. I'm not a technologist. I'm a business person who uses the technologies. So, in my my opinion, this doesn't work so well as they think it does or want it to work. And and I've seen that throughout my career. Hmm. Okay. And partnering with um, Mammoth Analytics is an interesting choice. Can you explain how this partnership helps you deliver tailored data processing solutions and what makes Mammoth Analytics unique in this space? Sure. So as I mentioned before, I, as part of my due diligence as an X tier and everything, I went through many systems. Okay. We looked at many types of systems because there are many sort of data. So every system out there has a data component because if you don't have the data, you don't have a system. It's so it's, there are many, many, many systems, but as I mentioned, a lot of the systems are really focused on one thing or two things. They're not open enough and and easy enough to use and to to customize for different like functions. So I went through that and I tested systems and I looked at them and I thought about it and I thought about what I would want as a business manager, business leader in my company. And Mammoth Analytics was the one because again, it has all the strengths of a database. In other words, it could store up to billions of rows. It can bring in data from anywhere, APIs, all of that stuff. But the actual underlying, it's not, it's a code free, which means the users 
interface is a tool interface, as in it's a drag and drop. It's a this equals this equals that. So once the data is in there, you can you can basically build your own rules yourself as a pipeline. And it's all open. It's not black box. And that can all be done. And on top of that, you can also customize the output piece. So the reporting and the templates that you do, you can actually say, okay, for this client, we want to put this template. Or we want to do Japanese. We we need to make it Japanese because it's Japanese, for example. So you can actually create from the data sets, you can then create the customized outputs using Mammoth. And that can be done. And once it's all created, it's automated. In other words, all those pipelines become automated from in, ingestion of data all the way to the output fully. So okay, it's, a setup, cool. it's a setup thing. And once it's set up and running, you can basically input it, and then it goes right through to the end, and that, and then it's all automated. Okay. So I, I have not seen many, if any, systems, at least in the Japan market. In a, I know Japan for sure, and I in Asia, I'm sure there's some, and but not a lot that have that level of flexibility and mm. automation and functionality in in the markets that I, I'm aware of. Okay. And you're, you had a client case um, study with Tier 1 Bank highlighting um, some impressive results. So can you share some key takeaways from this case study and how these results were achieved through AI and data management technologies? Sure. So, yeah, so we, um, after a couple of years of really hitting the market, working hard, we we, we connected with and we, we signed on um, the second largest bank, global bank in the world, um, t- top tier ex-Chinese, uh, Japanese bank. And basically their goal was to take a lot of their back office risk management operations data and everything and and actually offshore and get it and put it in India and to run it out of India and become a global uh, and globalize the processes and data and reporting for that. And their goal, one is the KYC plot, which is, which is a huge. So KYC right now is a big issue all in the in the in the financial services market there are many companies out there that are getting fined that are the auditors and the regulators and they're saying you don't even know your clients um you can't keep track of who you there's a it's it's a humongous issue right now so a lot of companies are looking for solutions for this so we we connected we went in and we 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 did our proof of concept everything and we passed and now we're working with them and we're we're implementing this system and Basically, what they're trying to do is take all their country data, so all the different countries, 20 plus countries, more 25, get it into one a standardized formats and automate the process in a system to be able to have the oversight of each country in there for, for what clients they have and be able to have better client servicing, better risk management, and better um, oversight of those processes. So our system allowed them to be to offshore because if, if they didn't have a system or they didn't, mm-hmm. they could never do this because without a system, you could never do the amount of data and the amount of countries and the amount of everything manually. It, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work. You could hire hundreds of people and it would still be issues. So you what they realized and what we realized, you need a tool like ours to do what they're looking to do. And without that tool, it, it was impossible to do what they want to do. Got it. Okay. And Kevin, I mean, we hear a lot now about um, data security and privacy, which are crucial concerns in the digital age. So how does the next era address these issues when 
implementing AI and data management solutions for its clients. Yeah, that's that's a huge issue. And and that's a huge issue. So for companies out there that are thinking the big issue, like the onboarding process to get through those things and the testing that goes on for these companies mm-hmm. for, to get in is extremely difficult to get through. So again, excuse me, on the Mammoth Analytics side, the, the great thing is they they have all their compliance they they have compliance so they're compliant in these areas so they have ISO twenty seven thousand one they have SOC two type two they have this HIPAA compliance so they have multiple multiple compliances around information security and data security and processes so that's number one having those compliances uh, are is extremely important right because as part of the onboarding process in in marketing you you have to show that. For example, AWS has all of those, right? Because mm-hmm. you need to have all those as a cloud provider. And if you're going to be a cloud provider, a SaaS cloud provider, you need to have those in place. Those are extremely important. Secondly, I take a risk management approach to this because of my background in risk management and operational and security and everything as part of the COO and, and I oversaw those roles. So I really worked with the team to really come through of what what's the process going to be? What's the risk management process? How does the flow work for data? One big issue that what a lot of companies have is where's the data go? What do you do? So where do you get, who owns the data, right? And, and what mm-hmm. happens to the data? And what we talked about with that client and all of our clients is we will process the data, but we will give the data back to you. In other words, at the end of the day, we can connect to your database or your AWS or Azure or whatever structure, data structure, and in in the in the process the data back to you. Let's process and send it back to you to store it yourself. Okay. So we're really so you have to build in all these risk management processes and have all the compliances and everything. And as a package, that's when I think companies will will accept and they will be open to working with you. Um, but but there's a lot of knowledge and stuff that goes into that. Okay. And Nexter also offers services related to digital transformation, operational transformations, and AI-enabled machine translations. Yeah. Can you explain how do these services tie into the broader goal of leveraging technology for business growth and efficiency? Great. So I was always under the philosophy, my whole philosophy is that it's processes, data, people and in technology. So the processes have to be right. So the one one of the biggest issues with the whole thing of implementation of any data, that's why back in the day, big data, big, big data, big data, everyone's talking about big data. But the majority of those big data projects failed. And they failed because the processes were not right. And it was too big. And it wasn't focused on the right things to get actually successfully implemented. So they spent millions and millions of dollars in projects and things never seem to come right. So that's why there's a lot of shyness around big data these days. So I I, I think process digitalization is processes. The process has to be standardized and correct and automated. That will be part of the entire thing is the process. So that's one of the services we provide is how do you look at the process, which is very important. Operational transformation. Whenever you implement these type of systems in a company, there's a huge operational transformation, change management. And then that's another thing that a lot of companies are very aware of or shy of is the change management piece. So when you go into a company and say, okay, we're going to do AI, we're going to do big data and everything, people get scared. 
One is it's expensive and it might not work. But secondly, the people doing that are like, my jobs are going to be gone. Like it, it impacts people's lives. And that is a huge issue. And that's another reason why a lot of these companies don't actually do these things. So we talk a lot about, okay, the transformation. So if you're going to do this, how do you transform your businesses to keep your people, but at the same time, automating and getting more out of your people. So the productivity is huge. You need to get more from your people. You don't want to lose your people per se, I don't think, but you want more productivity, which means more added value from people. And so that's another service that we provide. That's part of the whole implementation of these things, which I think is 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 paramount to success yeah definitely um and then lastly the ai translation that's actually a system which uses ai so i we have a partner too that that does translations when i say tra like like language translations and their system was a machine learning ai enabled which means they use they use all the different translations to to be able to create a translation that's more human and more in line with what the client wants. And this goes back to the AI, AI piece. So basically a company we had was a huge manufacturing company. And they said, but we want our, our translations to look like this. Like we want it to look like us, not, mm -hmm. not another company. They want to use the same words. So to do that, you have to use information and data into the system to train the system to then create a more human, a more in line with what they want. So then again, that's the AI piece. All that stuff makes it more human. It makes it more in line with what they want to see from their perspective. So again, it's all interrelated, and that's sort of the 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 the, the services that we we look at. Okay. And Kevin, can you discuss um, key trends and emerging technologies in the field of AI and data management, and how Nextair is stand at the forefront of these developments? Yeah. So I think you know, again, there's a lot of um, I think. Generally speaking, I think a lot of these have been out there already. I, I, I think this has sort of been there. Um, and now it's becoming the next thing, so to speak, like electric vehicles, uh, like uh, Bitcoin. All, the, all these things are new things that were brought in, cryptocurrency technologies and, and all that blockchain. So AI is sort of the new, like, wow, now this is the next big thing, so to speak. So crypt, uh, what is, uh, chat GBT. Now, that I, I talk about those things now. AI is in every, every AI is everywhere. Which, but for me personally, like Jit Chat GBT is interesting because again, that's taking things where you're taking information and data. Where these big companies that have access to all this information and data online, for example, you can train these bots, these these AI bots, to do things like a human, like they want it to be, and train them quicker, faster, and moving forward. So I think that whole idea is very interesting to me. And it would take, so our process, for example, that we're doing now, if you added an AI solution, so a lot of companies we're talking to, okay, get the data right first. So let's get the data and the information correct. And then let's connect it to AI platforms. So let's use that data and then go out and try to find information on ESG and all these other areas that maybe using AI type of, so using a, a AI base to go find other information to add value to the data. So again, I see a lot of that happening is the data is right, but then what do you do with the data and how do you use the data to do AI and how do you take that and then add more value to the data you have using these AI principles and, and, and systems to do that. And I think that's the next step is 
how do you move to that level of after the data is correct? Right. And I know many businesses are hesitant to adopt AI and data management technologies due to concerns about the learning curve and integration challenges. So how does the next year help clients overcome these concerns? So I think that goes back, that underlines everything we do. And I think part of that is the experiences I've had, for example, in our team that we can explain how to use it in business and make it a business thing and not just a technology thing. I think it's ways to show that like how examples of how it would work and how it, it helps your staff and understanding how your staff can use it and go there. Because again, all of this is related to human resources and all of it's related to change management. So beyond technology, you have to deal with your human resources and you have to deal with your with your um, change management processes. So understanding that in doing it when you deliver this is very, very important. So um, if you go in there and don't understand the business and say you have an AI that's going to change their business, there's skepticism, really big skepticism. And there's a fear that this one may not work and it's risk or it works and we're, you know, what are we going to do with it? So that that's why it's very important to have someone with credibility and knowledge of how a business could and does and then do it the right way so that it's added in value and not actually being a a, a fear. Trust is huge. And I, I don't think I think there's a lack of trust, honestly, in between tech, business in many areas. And I think there's a lot of things out there, even consulting, large consulting firms, having trust between your client and you and having that credibility is the only way you're going to bridge that gap easily in my mind. Um, it, Cause it, it, otherwise there are, there's a fear, there's a skepticism and a fear of these things because people don't know what could happen to their own jobs mm-hmm. and to their own staff's jobs. Yeah. So it, it, that's a natural human nature. Yeah, definitely. And, the global business landscape is continually evolving. How do you see the role of AI and data management evolving in the next five to 10 years? And how can businesses prepare for these changes? So what I really hope happens is they take an incremental approach. Okay. And I really hope that they start to incrementally use this, these in their systems. And this is what we would talk a lot with our clients. It's not a big bang approach. Uh, it's an incremental approach based on the processes and what you want to get out of it from a business solution. And I think if you incrementally use this and then at the same time, work with your human resourcing partners, your people and, and integrate it correctly, smartly, I should say, mm-hmm. I think that is the key. I hope that that's how it happens. Honestly, um, I think in some countries, <laughs> some places, they don't have the patience for that. Mm-hmm. And they end up going in and they want to do Big Bang and, and put a lot of money into it up front. And it's got great ideas and the vision. But three or four years later, they look back and say, oh, wow, what do we do? Um, I really hope that they take it incrementally and they take it smartly and they integrate it in this in the, with their, within their people. And then their processes and their business. I, I don't want to see, and I hope we don't see layoffs, outsourcing things, um, and, and trying to use this as an excuse to cut costs and to do something that um, impacts their business. It should be more of a long approach. And it, I think it should also be a revenue producing approach. So in other words, it should grow your business, not cut your business. So 
you should use this as a way to grow what you're doing and to make more revenue than to cut costs and to do that type of thing. And I and I and, I, and it's easier. I'll take one more thing on that. I think it's easier for companies to cut costs using this. Mm-hmm. I think it's less. You could just put it and try to cut your costs and tr- cut people and try to do. And I I really hope for the next five to ten years that's not the road we take. I hope it is more of a incremental slash and revenue growth model, mm-hmm. which helps people and doesn't hurt people. Um, and, and, and that's my, that's my hope. Um, and that's what we try to do. Um, but you never know, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So one more before we hop off onto lightning round. So finally, Kevin, for businesses looking to embark on their AI and data management journey, what advice or best practices can you share to ensure a successful implementation and integration of these technologies? So I think the first thing I would say is I think it's important to find the area that you need to that to understand what it is first and then the, the area within your company you want to f- fix or to improve. Mm-hmm. So first, I think it's really important to, to identify a challenge or an issue you have in your business that you could use this to do and implement that and get it get it done right. I think quick wins is really important in any implementation, especially this. So really understanding your business and really understanding the area that you can use this and, and work and implement it and get a quick win and get the momentum in your company to get people to say, oh, wow, that's really great. That That's a good thing for me. That's a good thing for the company and get people on board to want to use more it more. That's just the way we do as a vendor. You want to get in and do a good job and you want to show people in the company that you can do a good job. And when you do do a good job, they want to use you more. That's the whole idea. So I think even as a company and as a leader of a company or as a, a manager, you want to bring it in and do that first. Quick wins, the area you want to solve and get in and solve it. And then people start to buy in. And once you get buy-in from your people, you can then expand it beyond and make, scale it up and to really grow it and improve your business. But um, if you don't do that and you just jump right in, because at the end of the day, it's the small, it's it's the it's the workers level that do this. And it's the workers level that are gonna do it. So they're the ones who are gonna have to be ready to do this and buy in and, and, and actually implement it correctly. Um so that's my that would be my biggest um advice is to to handle it in that way. And maybe it's gonna take a bit longer, but eventually it'll be better. Yeah. All right, excellent. So let's hop into um a lightning round real quick before we hop off. So some softball ones, um, iOS or Android? Uh, iOS. iOS, okay. And favorite book on AI or data management? Human and Machine, um, Reimagining reimagining Work in the Age of AI. So just to give it an explanation, this was written by two Accenture people back. And when I first started my company back three and a half, four years ago, this is one of the books that I read that actually gave me the gave me the uh, the desire to do my own company and to do what I'm doing. So I think that was a great one. And again, the reason why I liked it so much is it, it combined everything, it combined technology, processes, and the people thing. Um, and, it, and, it, and it really outlined everything really well. So I thought that was a great book. Okay. And favorite AI-related movie or TV show? <laughs> 
Well, I, I, <laughs> that's, I don't really watch it. So I think maybe like Terminator going back in the day or like those, those things where the fact, or even back when they actually had thought about those things, but I don't, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I'm not really a big into like <laughs> that type of stuff. Okay. And, um, early bird or night owl? Early bird. And best productivity tool you can't live without? question um <laughs> that's a good question i mean a lot of my, my I'm, I'm on my iphone all the time so i there's a lot of productivity there with all the different apps so i i i think make my life easier is the iphone but with the apps included obviously the whatsapp and all these things that you can put in there to make your life easier and simpler to to enjoy and also get work you know what i mean i think that that iphone with all of everything you can do with that is incredible Okay. And um, your go-to source for staying updated on tech trends. So I like to read white papers from the big consulting firms, for example, the Accentures, uh, the EYs and others to, to see what the trends are, where the big picture is, strategies around kind of which combines for the, the business and the technology piece. Again, I'm not a pure technologist. So I, I do try to look at things that are business related that are, or that have tech in it related. So I also, you know, I, I might say it's kind of weird, but LinkedIn. So I've got, I've got probably 16,000 connections in LinkedIn and it's amazing how much comes up there. And, and if you, if you have the right um, hashtags that you do catch a lot of trends that are happening, a lot of people talking about, different things related to technology and stuff. So it, it seems strange, but I think that's another one that I, I do rely on a lot um, to get my information. Okay. And what's one AI application you're excited about for the future? Well, I think, I think, so again, I'll go back to my, I think chat G, GBT is probably right now as is, I think is, is um, at least in my area. I mean, there's others, there's lots of others, but that was the one that um, potentially could could be a game changer in many ways. Um, but obviously, as I said before, you, you go out and think, go me in. So data, go me in. So trash in, trash out. So you got to be careful. There's got to be some kind of think about regulations or what you're going to do with that or how you use that in. So I, I'm I'm a little worried about that, but at the same time, I mm. think it's it's quite a game changer with regards to like the ability to get information and, and get it organized and get it on paper. Now, should you double check it? Yes, probably you should. Um, could it be used for evil? <laughs> yeah, devious <laughs> things. Yes, probably it could. But I think generally, it's it's quite amazing what you can do with it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, excellent, Kevin. So, so before we hop off, if anybody wants to connect or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Well, I think you know my um, you could you could reach out um, to my email address or to LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. LinkedIn's probably a very I'm very active there, um, and it's easy to to kind of get me there. But my I don't know if we could tell you my um, email address now. Yeah, absolutely. So it's Kevin dot Riendo R I E N D E A U at annexedhere.com okay. and my LinkedIn is obviously that um so i think those are the main um avenues to reach out to me um and i look forward to anyone coming out and want to talk more and um and discuss that all right so yeah we'll run both of those um connections across the stream for the um listeners 
Great. Right. And Kevin, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this. And I'm sure the listeners did as well. Let's um, get you back again soon for some for some updates. Great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It was, it was fun. Likewise. Likewise. Have a nice one, Kevin. I'll talk with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.